What's going on guys? Welcome back to Edge of the Wormhole for episode 11. It is Sunday, March 19th, and the Kentucky Wildcats have officially been eliminated from the NCAA tournament. So it's been a tough day for the BBN. Uh, we're going to give you a full full breakdown today. Well, I'm going to give you a full breakdown. Uh, I've been out of town. Hunter's at on the night shift tonight, so I'm going to give you a full breakdown on the first weekend of the uh, NCAA tournament, and uh, you know we'll get into some what what happened with Kentucky um, against Kansas State today. We'll get into some looking forward to next season things, um, what needs to happen, what what needs to change, what kind of an, an off-season look ahead. Then we'll put UK basketball on the back burner until until uh, time for uh, Big Blue Madness. So we'll start off with just the a chaotic first round of the NCAA tournament. Um, another 16 seed upsets a one um when umbc upset virginia a few years ago you know being the first 16 seed to get it done this was something that i didn't know that we would see again ever let alone this soon but for in this scenario you know it was just like the perfect combination uh for for chaos there for purdue they have two very young guards in Smith and uh, can't remember the other guard's name, but dudes that just don't have a, a ton of college experience, which as we're starting to see the experienced guards are really starting to take over college basketball as far as winning games and impact impacting winning. Uh, you know, there's big men putting up monster stats, but we'll get into that later. So, uh, Fairleigh Dickinson just really wore Purdue out with the pressure. I think it really took a toll on the guards, and they weren't able to work it into Edie. It kind of just threw them off their game plan right off the rip, and I think they just kind of stunned them, and Purdue was never able to get in rhythm. It never felt like they had any control over this game. Fairleigh Dickinson hit a few shots and just made some plays, and down towards the end, Purdue was not on the same page. It felt like I know they got a horrible shot, like down three. It goes 61-58 with Purdue ball with like 12 seconds left. You force a three in the corner off an inbound set, and I don't know. It, Purdue was getting upset all season. We had the Zach Eady discussion last week. Big versus good. You know he had 21 and 15, so he did his part, but. Man, that, that Purdue team, it, they didn't feel like a one seed, I will say that. They definitely felt the most susceptible to an upset out of all the all the ones. But, you know, it, you can't lose that game to Fairleigh Dickinson. you got to find some way to establish some control and, you know, work it into Edie and let him use his size and it just kind of beat him into the ground. And they just weren't able to do that. It was a, it was something else to, to watch. It really, it was very different. I, like I said, I, I didn't think we would see this again for for a long time. But you know, here we are. Uh, I think 
this was it was 2018 virginia umbc got them so yeah uh you know with the way talent as many talented teams as there are now in college basketball uh i fully expect to see it more now i i was wrong in my original prediction so yeah we'll uh we'll see how many more one seeds fall to to 16s but that that wasn't the only major upset. I would say the second biggest was Princeton over Arizona, which Princeton's actually turned out to look like a pretty good squad. They pounded Missouri in the second round. Um, besides that, the East region, uh, besides the Purdue upset, the East region was all chalk. Um, Furman over Virginia. Virginia just can't, like you, you have to change. It, it, it's getting to the point, you know, you got to do something different. Um, another first round exit for them uh, they have been exiting early regularly uh, along with Purdue uh, let's see other major upsets um, other than that the first round really didn't have too many uh, second round Kansas went down I, a lot of people were high on Kansas they had uh, a lot of returners and one of the best players in the country in Jalen Wilson. I think we kind of covered that last week. I, If I'm remembering correctly, I think I predicted them to get bounced by the Sweet 16 in the March Madness episode. So I was kind of on there. I, they kind of just... Arkansas was an undervalued team. They're a team that you don't want to play in one game because they can beat... It, it's, a, it's a Musselman team where they can beat anybody in one game and they got it done. Devo Davis came off the bench with, I think, 25 or 26. Gave Arkansas a huge lift. He did everything for them for about a 12-minute stretch there in the second half until he fouled out. So uh, an awesome performance. That was a really fun game. And Kansas just, uh, when, when K.J. Adams was on the floor and was able to kind of work the middle. I think he fouled out one of the Mitchell twins and had the other Arkansas big uh, Johnson in serious foul trouble, but he was so lethal in the middle of the court, but that it, it was a, it was a great game. And, you know, Devo Davis, then, uh, yeah, uh, Ricky Council were really able to put that game away for Arkansas. It was as good of a, a two-man effort as seen in college ball for for a while. So, defending champs are out. Uh, UCLA onto the second round. Tennessee just uh, beat Duke up on the playground, and so they're onto the second round. Tom Izzo probably one of the most overrated coaches of all time in my opinion but finds a way to make it to the sweet 16 elite eight every year with his ragtag michigan squads uh, kansas state's on to the second uh creighton alabama san diego state san diego state had a little bit of a, a barn burner in the first round they were a pretty uh heavily picked upset team there with college of charleston in the first round but they got it done and then Pounded Furman yesterday, so I, I think they may be able to give Alabama a little bit of a, uh, a trouble. They Alabama's rolled through the first two, and it's looking like if they get through San Diego State, they'll match up very well with either Creighton or Princeton. So uh, 
I would be very surprised if you don't see Alabama in the Final Four. Uh, Houston, well, they really had a hard time shooting the ball in the first half against Auburn. I think Auburn may have been up 10 in the, at the end of the first half. And Houston just came out and really showed you why they are a one seed and obliterated Auburn in the second half to win by 17. So they'll face up with Isaiah Wong and Miami in the second round. That should be a pretty fun matchup. We'll see what those defensive-minded guards there can do against uh, against Wong. He, he'll have to have a monster game, I believe, for Miami to advance. Uh, Xavier in Texas. Xavier looked pretty good today. If, if Xavier shoots the ball well, they will have a chance in any game. But Texas is a pretty well-rounded bunch. They're going to defend. I think we talked pretty length uh, at a pretty good length about Texas last weekend. Uh, D. Sue's playing good ball for him. Uh, Timmy Allen's back and looked to be at full strength, so they'll have a good shot. Arkansas and UConn, that'll be a good matchup. Uh, see how Sonogo holds up if he's able to enforce his will down there against the smaller Arkansas bigs. And then UCLA versus the winner TCU and Gonzaga. I think it's looking like uh, looking like the Zags are going to be able to advance in that one. So looks like you're going to be seeing them match up with UCLA, a good West Coast battle. So that'll be fun. So that's the current state of the NCAA tournament. It's been a fun one. Uh, lots of good basketball. There were a ton of first round games where there could have been potential upsets and the, the higher seed was able to to stave off the the upset bid but it it was a it was a good first round uh, just two monster upsets I, I really thought Arizona was a team that had, if everything went well for them they could have made a tournament push uh, or a, a, a late run in the tournament they had all the makings the the size and the experience guard play but Princeton just in an absolute rock fight there. 59-55 knocks them out in the first round. I was also exci- uh, excited to see Princeton, Missouri. I thought Missouri had a good chance of getting to the Sweet 16 there, but uh, just didn't have their best performance. And Princeton played well again. So Princeton Creighton in the Sweet 16. Uh, though That was probably the biggest, the biggest upsets there were the 16, the 15. So... Uh, not the volume of upsets, but the upsets that did occur were, were big ones. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens moving forward. Uh, I think Alabama's going to have a good shot at it, uh, as well as Houston. I, I think those two have kind of been looking to get back at each other from the original meeting they had early in the season, and it may, it may happen this year. So, yeah, uh, moving along to the the main focus of, of my day today and that was the Kentucky Wildcats playing the Kansas State Wildcats in Greensboro North, Greensboro, North Carolina um, this you know Kentucky makes it past Providence in the first round not our best game but we were able to kind of grind it out dominated them on the glass I think we were plus 18 against a good rebounding Providence team just kind of out toughed them but 
I knew that we had a better game in the tank and in order to do that we would have to shoot the ball well and you know that's really the main issue with this team is just hitting those threes if we're hitting the threes we're very tough to beat but uh, you know it didn't happen against Providence and didn't happen today against Kansas State so let's see pull up these team stats here So the Cats finish uh, finish the game four of twenty from three. That's just it's not going to get it done. Kansas State didn't shoot the ball the ball a whole lot better, but when you turn the ball over sixteen times like Kentucky did today, you have to make up for it somewhere. And uh, you know the three point line is somewhere that you can recover most of those points, and they weren't able to make up their margins. Um, coming out though, I'll just kind of break it down how I saw it in the first half early in the first half cats kind of were able to get it rolling pretty quick and jumped out I think to a 17 to 9 lead Oscar was all over the glass Kassan was making his presence felt early on Jacob what he really struggled today but he I felt played an outstanding game defensively on Keontae Johnson and yeah it wasn't it never felt like everything was clicking but we were just making plays the energy was there and felt like we were we were working hard the running the sets and yeah just got a couple bounces to go our way there to get a 17 to 9 lead and then just uh just like it's felt all year we were never able to hit another shot to extend the lead I think we had a turnover or two there and Next thing you know, it's 17-17, and Kansas State, I think they may have even got it to 19-17 before we scored again, but one thing that I have major issues with is Cal, and it's not particularly his fault because I understand that, you know, he can only do so much from the sidelines, but there were several points in this game where we went an extended period of time without a bucket, and... You know, you end the game only having used really, I, I don't even, I can't remember if we called our timeout for the half or not, but Cal's not a big fan of calling timeouts, but, uh, you know, there were several points where we went two, three, and then I know in the first half we did go five plus minutes without a point. So calling a timeout, I feel like at a couple points during the, during the first half could have been very very, very beneficial just to draw up a quick hitter, get something easy for one of our guys. And even when we were playing well and had the lead, it never felt like our offense was effective. It felt more like guys were making plays and we got some good stuff in transition. A lot of, a lot of, uh, our points came off stick backs and, uh, you know, we were able to again, dominate the glass out rebounded, Kansas State by 19, plus 13 on offensive rebounds. But, yeah, it felt like all game we our stuff was pretty ineffective. It was kind of late shot clock, kind of trying to get a foot in the paint and then kick out for a three or shoot a floater. Uh, you know, we got a couple quick looks with Kassan out of the horn set, just kind of, you know, he, 
he's able to almost lull his defender into sleep uh, to sleep there and then blow by him for a layup. He got a couple of those against Providence and got a, a couple more today. Um, yeah, back kind of the, to the first half, Kentucky has sucked so bad all year closing out halves. We have no an inability to get two for ones. We don't try to run the clock down and get one shot. It It's so... It's very frustrating as somebody that played and kind of understands what we're trying to do there. And I think a lot of that's having young guards. And Kaysen was outstanding today. You can't have a single complaint about the way or his, his performance. But regardless, uh, you know, trying to throw a, a bounce pass into Damien and I think uh, another turnover came out of it and then they end the half with an emphatic lob dunk to go up three when we were up one with for Kansas State to go up three when we were up one with uh, I think 40 seconds left in the half so you know we kind of lost all momentum they're going into halftime they were over from the three-point line going into the half so Three-point defense was okay. They got some good looks that they missed, uh, but you know they weren't going down, so they were over from the three-point line. Um, yeah, I, the first half it, it was like, okay, we're in it. That's you know, it felt like it could have been so much better. Uh, there, there were several times you know where we went five plus minutes without scoring, but there were just wide-open looks that we got all, either in transition or. Uh, you know, late in the shot clock off a swing pass or something. They did some weird stuff with their double teams and bringing a second defender late to try to get a steal that we got some open looks off of, and we were just never able to knock them down. I know uh, I, I'm a huge CJ fan, and I have an extreme amount of respect for what he's done playing through injury, and he seems to really love playing in the blue and white, so nothing against CJ but there was this it's just a weird feeling that every time that we needed a big shot to go down the ball has found CJ in a wide open spot and there were so many times this year where he was never able to knock down that shot and I understand you can't I think Cal says it all the time you can't make them all but you can't miss them all either and the second the, these last few weeks since since he came back from injury it felt like he missed them all like I'm I know he hit hit a few and he hit uh hit a three-point shot today but man it was pretty bleak out there and he he understood you could tell he understood that he passed up a few open looks later in the game um but yeah it it's hard to hard to see that and Man, you just think what what could have been there if he just made a, a few of those shots to just give us just a little a little lift, and it, it's felt that way all year where we just couldn't push push our leads out to I, you know even Providence we were up eight like forever I think we missed eight straight shots up eight in the second half of that game and just let them linger around which is never a good thing when you're the higher seed. Um, you want to try to put those teams away as fast as you can. But 
you know, regardless, we got it done there and it came back to get us eventually against Kansas State. But coming out of the half, um, this was another coming going into the half and coming out of the half. Kentucky has been horrible, 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 horrible all season. It felt like I know against uh, against Tennessee a few weeks ago, you know, up 20, 20 plus at the half come out and they rip off six or eight straight um i think it was vanderbilt at home on senior night when we went into half having uh you know the the seven footer hit the three at the buzzer and then they come out and rip out rip off six straight kansas i think we were tied with kansas or down one at the half and they came out and ripped off six or eight straight off steals and it was like this was one of those games where it felt like, okay, like if we can survive this first few minutes of the half without anything going catastrophically wrong, you know, we're in it. And we were able to do that. We actually were able to build up an eight-point lead, I think 39-31, uh, a decent bit into the second half, and things were looking looking pretty good for the Cats. But just as quickly as it came, it, it went away. The, the turnovers kind of came in flurries for the forest today too you know when you have i think uh i mean end up being yeah 16 turnovers uh you know you're gonna have a few in a row so when it was bad it was bad when it was good it was good but you know the 39 31 lead there was mostly just built off defense and our guys making a few plays they missed a couple layups and just we ran it out to to a lead and then it this game felt like uh Marquise Noel did a he he was always in control of it as much as you know even when we had leads it, he always felt like he was going to be able to make a play and that ended up being the real difference maker I think down towards this down the stretch the that we obviously could have done more uh I'm kind of jumping around a little bit. I, after they came back and tied it, I think they may have even took the lead there, 49 or 41, 39. It was back and forth for the rest of the, the rest of the night. Um, it was just a, a battle. We got them in foul trouble early, and I remember watching the game. And uh, when we got to the bonus, it was like, uh, you know, if we make our free throws, I, I like our chances. And I think our first bonus set. Uh, a free throws Oscar missed the front end of a one and one and it was like a you know that's nightmare scenario for me because the first thing I think of when we start missing those free throws is uh, my freshman year of college with uh, PJ um, Kevin Knox Shay Jared Vanderbilt the that squad and what happened when we basically had a free ride to the final four uh, until we ran into Kansas State in the in the Sweet 16, and um, no, the PJ, the infamous PJ Washington free throw game, which he had a broken, I think it was a broken thumb, and went 10 for 20 from the free throw line. We end up losing by two or three. Um, that few that that game sparked my hatred for Chris Weber as an announcer. I will never have any respect in my life for Chris Weber um, just a total garbage announcer um, but that's besides the point so 
you know, as the game came down the stretch here, uh, 62, 61 cats and Marquise Noel, as I said before, hit, he hit some ridiculous threes in the second half and, um, let's see, they called a timeout, I think a, a little over a minute left, maybe a minute 17 and they subbed in off the bench a uh, a backup power forward uh, I, I've watched Kansas State several times and I hadn't seen this fella hit a three I don't think all year uh, Masad, uh but he shot a three from the from the right wing with the most confidence of anybody I may have ever seen uh, just stepped into like a 30 footer way behind the line and drills it to to put Kansas State up 64 62 and then coming back down on the other end um, cats weren't able to get a bucket come back down and Keontae Johnson hits a step back three really that was the dagger and that was pretty much ball game for for Kentucky uh, you know up five with under a minute left so yeah it was a it was a tough pill to swallow there um I my initial thoughts on the game you know we it felt like we were so close, like it, like we were just right on the on the edge of a run. It, I I really did think after we beat Providence, I felt like we just had to break the ice, and this team would be able to come out and cut it loose in the in the second round. Here, I thought we matched up well with Kansas State. I I thought uh, Kaysen would do much better. Uh, Garden Marquise Noel than he did, I, which that was partially my fault because I, I don't think I gave Noel as much credit as I should have going in. I I thought that that was an easy advantage for for Kaysen. You know, if he's able to hold him to 15, uh, Kansas State doesn't win a whole lot of ball games with him scoring 15. Uh, Keontae Johnson, as I previously stated. Uh, Jacob did an outstanding job on him. Uh, everybody else from Kansas State, you know, doesn't get a whole lot of volume, but they're pretty efficient and they pick their spot scoring. So Tomlin, the big man, finished up with uh, twelve and six on six of eight shooting. Desi Sills finishes with twelve and four on three of five. Um, yeah, that. Noel and Johnson that that's the key and I felt like you know if you if your two best defenders are going to be matched up with their two best offensive players and you like the the size matchups and speed matchups and everything you know you are going to feel pretty good going in especially when you know Oscar has a, as much of an advantage as he uh, as he did on on Tomlin down low and he Oscar did everything he could um, besides turn the ball over five times but you can I mean, you have to live with that when you put up 25 and 18 on 13 shots so um, 
you know, I think all of BBN felt good about it, but just weren't able to get it done. It This one is going to sting because of how close it felt. And the same thing as the 20, 2017 Sweet 16, um, you know, I, I guess actually 2018, sorry, um, the, the bracket ahead, uh, Michigan State ends up beating Marquette and... You know, we played Michigan State early in the year, but we were a completely different team then. I felt like if we won today, we were probably headed to the to the Final Four. And, you know, it, it, it's going to sting having to watch. I, I, I don't know about the rest of you guys, BBN, but uh, I always struggle to watch the tournament after the Cats get, get beat out. I always, like, watch it with, uh, with, the, with, with distaste. But yeah, this one's going to sting. And uh, Antonio was absolutely fantastic the last four, five, six weeks of the season. Really um, felt like he was lots out from three. And the, our one piece on offense that no matter what, he was he could go get you double digits like easily. Was going to knock down his open shots, and he got as as many open looks today as he's probably had as in his con. In, in his entire career and they just weren't falling so uh you know if you ask me why what the main difference was today you know he finishes one for 15 from the floor and I I really do feel I feel horrible for him because uh I, I know how much you could tell he enjoyed being in the blue and white and he he really loved being a cat and he he will have a chance to come back, but you know this I I really hurt for him because I I understand that some days it's just not your day, and he his day to not have a day was when when we really needed him most. He he could have been the difference maker and um, you know pushed the cats over the top to a W today, but. It just wasn't his day, and I feel horrible for him because he he gave everything he had there these last few weeks with casing out against Arkansas, having the 37-point game, and, you know, really breathing life into this team in a couple of those games where it felt like we were dead, and, uh, you know, he seems to be a great guy. I would love to have him back next year, but... You know, Chris gave us a good 11.7 rebounds. He was all over the place today. Uh, you know, blocked steals, played good, great defense, and got on the glass hard. Um, Jacob also really struggled from the floor on offense. Uh, finishes with two points on one of seven shooting. He kind of had a tough matchup with Keontae because uh, Keontae Johnson's very quick and... Jacob's advantage at the power forward usually is his quickness and uh, but I think Keontae was a little bit stronger uh, than, than Jacob and just not a, a great matchup for him to score but I think as we discussed last week you either got to have Chris or Jacob scoring so Chris scored and then you got to have Reeves Reeves and Wallace play well and Oscar's going to be Oscar uh, so you got almost every component you needed to manufacture a win but uh nobody was really 
able to step up and replace Reeves' scoring. Kassan uh, was, as I said, he was unreal today. Uh, 21 points, 9 boards, 4 assists, a uh, couple of steals. Um, yeah, he was he was lots out. You can't ask a freshman point guard to play a whole lot better than that. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of kind of how it ended up rolling out for the cats. Um, yeah, just kind of it, it still stings. It's still still setting in right now. Um, but you know, it, it was a. Uh, another season where it kind of felt like the expectations were were much higher going in and I'm a I'm an optimistic fan and also a realist and you can see that uh, this team was pretty overvalued at the start of the year but uh, just based on the the sheer talent on the roster you, you can see why we were preseason fourth but uh it really took some time for for Antonio to to get acclimated to to ball at this level, I think. Um, but once he did, he was very very good. You can see why he was one of the top ranked transfers. Um, one thing I did want to touch on is uh, Severe Wheeler. Uh, we didn't see him again today. Um, but severe, I'm not sure exactly what was going on there towards the end of the season. You know, they kept putting it out as a, as an ankle injury and lower leg injury. And he had a procedure. Um, don't really know why it happened. Cal is always very secretive over injuries and status reports, things of that nature. Um, but I just want to give a quick shout out to severe. He, Got a ton of hate um, from the fan base through the season. Um, he, I've always said, with severe, you get you really get two things. Um, well, I'll say three things: you get a ton of heart, you get on-ball pressure defense, and then his ability to to drive and create. And when severe focuses on doing those things. He's very, very good. Um, I think he still, had he played the rest of the season, would have led the SEC in assists. So he, he does an outstanding job of creating opportunities for others. Um, he I always thought he was a good on-ball defender. He does what John Calipari's defenses typically like to do, and that's pressure the ball out top. Um, uh, we'll get into the, the back end of the defense and stuff later on, but... Um, yeah, Sphere does that well, and I was very cautiously optimistic with Severe when he uh, transferred in because, you know, you see him at, at Georgia, and then you, I, I know that was right at the, I think that was the second uh, Villanova National Championship, which was uh, headed up by now Nick's superstar uh, Jalen Brunson uh, my thoughts when Severe transferred were you know best case scenario uh, Severe can be Jalen Brunson you know that's what he 
his ceiling was and he never but you know baseline you get severe and he he did develop and I think he shot the ball uh, better in the in this uh his second season at Kentucky but he was never quite able to to become I think I'm not sure what Cal uh thought he could be when he came to Kentucky but uh at least for me initially it was like okay like that that is what he could be he has that potential to be able to dominate the game control the pace um you know shoot the three and play in the paint use his physicality because he is a small strong guard a lot a lot like Brunson I'm not just saying that because they're lefties but they do kind of have the same game and being able to use their bodies and create space and uh kind of dish out to teammates from the paint once they get inside but uh Severe was never really able to develop that that jump shot and uh, kind of a fluidity to his game that um, that Brunson has and really that ability to intellectually dominate an opponent. Um, so I think he, he got a lot of hate for that from the from the fan base that he, he was a point guard that didn't shoot the ball well and uh, you know he does it was severe you do get turnovers that's just part of what you get because he does play really fast pushing the tempo and um, a lot of fans ragged on him a lot for that so I just want to give a quick shout out to Severe I, I hope wherever his basketball career takes him uh, I hope it uh, you know I, I hope he can reflect on his time at Kentucky as a positive experience and uh, you know we're at least uh at least for me, I'm, I'm thankful for, for his effort and heart. I know there was a couple points where it felt like he was the only guy that was really out there busting it, like trying to, to will us to a victory when Oscar wasn't a hundred percent yet. And, uh, Kaysen was figuring it out. Reeves was figuring it out. And see, so yeah, I'm much, much appreciation. Just a quick shout out to Spear Wheeler. And, uh, with that, we'll kind of move forward into what we're looking at for next season. So, it's a it's a top ranked recruiting class this year. Uh, good to be back on top with uh, with the recruiting numbers. So heading up the class is probably one of the better looking guard prospects in a few years. With uh, DJ Wagner, his dad DeWan Wagner played for Cal, I believe, at Memphis or at at Memphis when uh, I would think he was one of Cal's first classes down there. So there, it was kind of a given that he would come to Kentucky um, until Kenny Payne went to, um, excuse me, went to Louisville and hired uh, hired his uh, his grandpa to to come in and get involved with the program. So um, yeah, it it's great to get him on campus. He's kind of a do it all guard and somebody that, uh, you know, he, he's a pro guard. Kaysen was a pro guard, not quite a, not super, super refined on offense, but, uh, DJ is a true pro guard that can score at all three levels and, uh, really, really 
polished high school player. So I'm ecstatic to get him to campus and, and see what he can do. Um, just kind of moving down um, through who we got coming in. So we've also uh, got uh, Rob Dillingham, an absolutely electric uh, smaller point guard that can fill it up. He played uh, played in the um, was the G League Ignite this past year, so didn't quite get to see him on the on the high school circuit. But hopefully that I I honestly haven't watched him much. I've saw just a few highlights uh, of him from the from those G League Ignite games and a couple stat lines, but um, yeah, it, he's a an absolute bucket. He's smaller, but I kind of see him in a six-man role, somebody that's able to come in and fill it up, uh, maybe a step above what um, Davion Mintz was able to give us. Uh, just announced today, uh, Kentucky Mr. Basketball, for 2023 Reed Shepard is the next Kentucky commit Um, he's I'm pretty high on Reed I think he'll be able to put together a good Kentucky career and he's probably the the most or the best Mr. Basketball that Kentucky's had in a long time he's gonna he'll be able to make more of an impact early on than you know um Dante Allen and uh, a couple of the other in-state players that we've had. I know Derek Willis came and was amazing for the 2017 Cats, but um, early on didn't contribute a whole lot. But I think Reed will be able to. He's been playing, you know, on the EYBL circuits, and uh, North Floral did a great job of scheduling uh, a really tough season this year for. Uh, kind of get them exposed to, to some high-level players and Reed performed all year long and uh, I know they even played Justin Edwards uh, the next guy on the list they played his squad and I think gave them a pretty good run so yeah I think Reed is going to be able to come in and play and he shoots the ball well and handles it is able to pass I think he averaged close to eight assists in high school basketball this year so that's pretty impressive that's a good number so he'll be able to come in and give us I think a little bit different look from from DJ Wagner and Rob Dillingham so I, I'm very excited for Reed uh, I think he'll be a, a fan favorite you know his dad Jeff Shepard was a, a monster at Kentucky on those 90s teams so uh, yeah I'm super excited for Reed uh, I've hope to see him fill it up and have a great career like his dad uh, become a Kentucky legend so probably the best prospect that we'll be getting this uh, this upcoming season is going to be Justin Edwards 6-7 small forward um, absolute bucket uh, honestly probably our best uh, best recruit that we've gotten in a few years you know between Tata and Kaysen um, this year. We've had some great players come through, but you know, 
it's really been since uh, since Tyler Hero and, and PJ that we had a recruiting class that you could look at and say, okay, like you can watch uh, watch them in college and say, yeah, that that dude's a pro. Um, Kaysen, there's got there's kind of holes in this game, but uh, you can see that he's he can find a role in the NBA. But uh, yeah, uh, Justin Edwards is a pro. He, we haven't had a guy like this in in a while. He's a a versatile player, a great athlete, and can really fill it up from outside on the wing. And that's something that we've we've missed big time. And uh, I, I think he is going to be super effective in Cal's system. He can go get his own shot at any time that's some something that's rare in college basketball but uh, he's get, or from underclassmen at least and he's going to be able to do that I'm completely confident he'll be a good defender and uh, like I said I'm I'm stoked to get him in a Kentucky uniform and uh, rounding out the class is 7-1 center Aaron Bradshaw and this I mean I'm super excited for Edwards but I may be most excited for Bradshaw because he's more of your prototypical John Calipari big he's the Anthony Davis Marcus Canby uh, Willie Cauley Stein Carl Towns DeMarcus Cousins build Uh, super long athletic can really it feels like catch a lob from anywhere on the court and is going to block a ton of shots this upcoming year. Um, this is something that the Kentucky defense has been missing and hurting from the past couple of years with Oscar. Um, you know, with Oscar, you get what you get, which is, which is just absolutely dominant rebounding and just you know you you get Oscar. It not not great. To, he's kind of semi limited. He this year did a great job of extending his range out to the mid range and. Um, you know, I, my girlfriend made this statement as we were watching the game. It felt feels like Oscar misses so many bunnies, and it just drives you nuts. It was more so the Providence game than Kansas State today. But uh, Edwards is he's uh, or Bradshaw, excuse me, is is going to be feel like something really special in a Kentucky uniform. So. That's what the recruiting class is looking like. And to, to round it out here, uh, we'll just kind of run through the, the current roster and I'll tell you kind of how I feel about each player and, you know, coming back versus or staying and leaving. So, uh, you know, guard-wise, Severe is, is likely gone. I, I think I think Kassan is gone. Uh, CJ... It seems like he may be done uh, as far as just kind of hanging it up for, for his basketball career. He's had so many health issues uh, through the last couple seasons. You feel horrible for him. Uh, so he's going to have to make a decision there on coming back. I think Cal would love to have him come back just to, for some veteran leadership. And, you know, he, he can still shoot the ball. And his jumper doesn't look broken or anything, you know, but I think he could still be 
of use. Uh, he, he played good defense today. He, he can still be a rotational player uh, this upcoming season. Uh, the two guards that uh, I think are pretty intriguing as far as coming back are, of course, Reeves and then Adu Thierro. Um, Adu is kind of a an X-factor, and Adu's role, I feel like, can be as somebody that can come off the bench and uh, really kind of try to take somebody out of the game. Like Next year, uh, I could see him as, let's just say next year's squad was playing Kansas State. Um, you know, I don't really, we'll have to see how it shakes down, but DJ Wagner or Rob Billingham or Reed Shepard may struggle to defend Marquise Noel, and he, he can beat you by himself. He dang near did today. And I, I do, as somebody that feels like he has the potential to be able to take somebody out of a game like that, um, and he's still so young and new to the program, so if, if he stays, I could see him being a guy that takes that huge uh, Kentucky sophomore leap. He has a ton of drive and work ethic. He's taken great leaps already just this season, so... Once he starts to improve as a ball handler and gets more confident in his ability to to make plays, and but you you can see it there. Like some guys, it's just kind of you know they are what they are. But he seems to have a lot of untapped potential. So I would really love it if he stayed and uh, you know gave this coaching chance to staff to to really build him up and. I think he can make a heck of a player someday. And then, uh, you know, Reeves. I, w- I would love to have Reeves back uh, just to bring some certainty to to the lineup because when you're bringing in, uh, you know, a, a big freshman class like this, yes, they're going to play heavy minutes, but having a steady hand in the lineup when those guys are still getting their, their lungs for call- playing, playing a 40-minute college game and, uh, you know, if they're having a bad day, uh, to be able to go to somebody that's just uh, really he he he's a certified bucket is Antonio Reeves. Uh, I would I would love to have him back on the squad for next season. Uh, as talented as that roster is, if you told me that Reeves came back and led the team in scoring, I uh, I wouldn't be surprised either because he is that good of a scorer. He has every shot in his arsenal and. I really hope the fans don't don't run him off after after today. Um, you know, there's not a single thing that you can go after Reeves for. He he played his heart out. It just it, it wasn't wasn't his day. The the shots weren't falling for him. But I would love to have him back. Um, a couple of the more intriguing prospects for uh, to uh, candidates for making a return are at the forward positions. So. Um, Oscar, I, I believe Oscar is probably on his way out. He will likely be a second-round draft pick. He, uh, you know, he's an outstanding rebounder. Uh, actually, does pretty well, in my opinion, when he switched out on the guards defending the basketball. So, I think there's a place for him in the NBA, and he has touch and on his mid-range jumper. He's a good free throw shooter. So, he, as time goes on. He could develop, still develop a three-point shot and you know, really try to be that stretch big that everybody in the NBA wants nowadays. But uh, Oscar's been an absolute 
joy to have and watch as a UK fan just seeing those uh, offensive rebounds and stick back dunks you know it really gets you fired up as a fan I love seeing that and the kind of the traditional big man um, so yeah it, Oscar uh, it's it's been awesome watching you and uh, you know, wish you the best moving forward I, I, I do believe he is going to move on though um, and then looking at the forward so we have Chris Livingston uh, Chris is he you could tell the whole second half of the season he was a he was a different player than he was the first half and he's a guy that uh the the main player I always look to when you talk to like taking a, a step forward in your sophomore season is PJ Washington um all all his freshman season he had you know flashes and some games where he was great, but he was never able to like step into that star role and dominate. And Chris, uh, I, I think could take a bigger, even bigger leap than PJ just because of how complete his game is, how physically gifted he is. And he has like a, you know, that, that motor that when that motor's on, he's, uh, he's something he's a force to be reckoned with out there. He's going to be all over the court making plays on both ends. So, uh, Chris is somebody again, that I would love to see come back. I think he could, you talk about a, a guy that could be like an all American, uh, next season. If everything went perfect for Chris Livingston, he, he could be an all American candidate next season. So I would love to have Chris back. He, he would fit in that next year's group perfectly. He could slide in, I think, and play that small ball four that would make that lineup, uh, one through four, really very tough to guard. So we'll see what Chris decides to do. Uh, either way, best of luck to him, but what would really love to see him back in the Kentucky uniform next season. Uh, Jacob Toppin, in my opinion, should have, if I was an NBA scout, I would be all over Jacob Toppin, uh, looking to get him in the second round. He, is still a, a phenomenal athlete, but he was able to add that three-point shot to his repertoire this year and uh, just turned himself into a very complete player. Uh, last year, you saw him as a kind of a backup to Keon Brooks and a, somebody that's gonna, just going to come in and defend and rebound and dunk. And this year, he was able to drive the basketball to the rim, finish at the rim, shoot the mid-range jumper off the pull-up, uh, you know, shot the three ball well. I think he was shooting close to 50% for a, a good little stretch there. And uh, all while still managing to be our best defender and, you know, an, uh, a, a microwave at points for us where he, you know, his dunks always got us going. And uh, see, so yeah, I've, I've been a huge Jacob Toppin fan since he's been at Kentucky. Uh, one of my, one of my favorite cats. I, I love his, he, he was just, pure electricity on some of those teams that struggled early on uh, when he was at Kentucky and uh, a spark plug kind of for the team the past two years so uh, another guy that I would uh, you know if if I was an NBA scout I would be really trying to snag him in the second round he could be a gym uh, and I think he'll only keep it getting better so it's been a joy having Jacob with the you know, at Kentucky, but I think he's, uh, he's gone. He, he, uh, I'm saying this with Oscar and Jacob because they do have their COVID year of eligibility. So they could come back, 
um, and play a, a fifth year, but I do believe they'll move on. Um, and two, well, there's three guys left that are, uh, you know, Lance, where he's, uh, he'll probably return and uh, keep his uh, team captain role. Uh, it, you always need a Lance Ware on your team. Uh, you can't replace a guy like that. It's just a glue guy and good, great for the chemistry and will always come in and provide that toughness um, off the bench. So I think we'll see another Lance Ware year. And then the two most intriguing guys are, uh, as, I mean, Chris is the most intriguing, obviously, but uh, to see whether or not they'll stay is uh, Damian Collins and you going on Yenso. So uh, Damian, I, I think he and Cal have a very strong relationship with the passing of Damian's father this year. Um, but for Damian, he, I think that was a huge setback losing his father early in the season and feel horrible because he was looking very good. He was awesome down in the Bahamas before the season started. And I think everybody was pretty high on him looking to, for him to take that you know, that PJ Washington step forward and he wasn't able to quite do that for us, but he was uh, a few times there. He was a spark plug, able to get those big dunks off the lobs. And uh, even towards the end of the season, I felt like he did a, a much better job of rebounding and kind of being more willing to stick his nose in there and be physical. So uh, Damien originated, originally came as a five-star prospect and yeah, everybody was super excited for, but last year just wasn't really able to find many minutes between Jacob Keon and and Oscar and then Oscar again this season you just can't take him off the court so it doesn't leave you much room to operate uh, with the two of them down there so uh, Damien we'll see uh, as I said Cal and him seem to be very very close so I could see him coming back and I could also see him transferring you know kind of kind of like Bryce did to a uh, you know, maybe just taking a step back as far as conference level goes. So maybe to a school like Seton Hall or, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of those programs would, would love to have a guy like that. He's a, a great shot blocker. Uh, it always just felt like he was right on the fringe, kind of he's either like one step slow or one step, step too fast where he was committing a foul and, um, you know, could still needs to add some, some weight. To, to really take that next step I think so we'll see what he's ends up deciding to do and then the guy that I would really 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 like to have come back personally would be Yugono Mienso. Um in the little bit that we saw him there to start the season with Damien and Oscar out um, I thought he was he was awesome uh, I don't really understand why he never got a whole lot of run after Oscar came back because he could have saved so much wear on Oscar's knees, you know, as the season went on, not that it was a huge issue or anything, but, um, he brought a diff, he brings a different element from Oscar. He's able to really block shots. And you saw that even against like uh, Michigan with Hunter Dickinson, he threw, you go in there for a little bit and he was blocking Hunter Dickinson shots and you know, wasn't able to get, I remember just off the top of my head a few times where, Dickinson got the rebound and stuck it back, but he was still able to, you know, block those initial attempts and 
Um, I think I alluded earlier to uh, Severe being the type of guard that Cal likes, but the the main thing that a John Calipari team needs to win is a shot blocker in the middle, and like you have to have that presence down the middle of the court. You know whether it's PJ Washington or Bam or uh, you know Willie for years or Nerlens Noel. It's an absolute must to, to have that guy that can, as the guards, pressure the ball. Because if you pressure the basketball, you are going to get beat off the dribble. You can't really have both unless you just have unbelievable defenders all the way around, which most of the time those guys will get beat anyways. But, uh, you know, you in this day and age, you've got to have somebody in the middle that can block or alter shots, and that was a weakness for us all year. I think we mentioned uh, the Vandy guards even were just able to drive, and it felt like every time they would go to the rim and and finish against our big man, and you know it that that can't happen. It, it just uh, creates it it puts everybody in a bad spot. Uh, your guards are trying to pressure the ball, but you only pressure the ball for for so long without uh, you know getting getting beat or getting screened and then you got to communicate a screen and it creates a whole nother sequence of events so um you don't know Nienzo can be that guy I believe and having being able to go with Aaron Bradshaw and you go on Yenso as a one-two punch down there in the block um, I believe would be really really effective on the defensive end and um you know he's a guy that has a developing skill set on offense he still pretty new to the game and you know it Cal's always been good at developing guys and been able you know when Oscar first came I remember he had uh, zero touch around the rim he and he was able to develop you know the little baby hook shot there and um, just be, become a much better finisher around the basket so um, if I feel like it would be worth it for Hugo to stick around and try to develop that game into um, you know the, he he has the the prototypical NBA body so I would love to see him stick around and yeah just get another year in that Cal system and I think if he and Edwards were to you know split some minutes there early on and you know compete for that job it would be great for both of them so uh, right there we'll kind of wrap it up and uh, put UK basketball on the back burner for a while unless there's a major change which I hope there's not uh, you know in the coaching department or something of that nature so uh, yeah I'm uh, I think along with the rest of the fan base super excited to get that recruiting class in next year and just kind of see how everything shakes down and then the transfer portal I'm sure will be active there as well should uh, you know should Antonio leave and Chris leave and worst case scenario kind of empty out the roster a little bit i'm sure with the transfer portal we'll try to fill back up and reload there but if we didn't take anybody and chris and antonio and Hugo and damien all stayed then you know I'd, i would be pretty happy with that as well so yeah i will uh you know we'll wrap it up there um hopefully there's nothing uh too major that warrants uh, another UK episode, UK basketball episode till then. Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll bring it back with some UK football in the fall. Um, I had some other topics we were going to cover today, but uh, 
there's some stuff that I'd rather discuss with Hunter here. So, uh, yeah, we'll wrap it up there. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, our Riverside link will be in the description. As, as we kind of tell you guys every episode, we use Riverside. It's the easiest way to start recording a podcast with great audio quality. Super easy to just jump in, send send whoever you're having on a link, and they're right in the studio, no issues. And, uh, yeah, you know you get top-notch quality on that. So, yeah, if you're interested in starting a pod, just want to check it out, look into it, use our link. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think we'll wrap it up there. So thanks for listening. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, another bit of a disappointing season for the Cats, but... You know, we keep our hands up or keep our heads up and uh, you know, hope for the best next season. It's all fun. Uh, always enjoy watching the cats. So we'll wrap it up there and yep, go cats. Enjoy the rest of the tournament and uh, we'll see you guys for uh, for another fun wormhole Wednesday coming up here. So uh, everybody have a great week and tune back in Wednesday.